This podcast is brought to you by Central, helping schools work smart. Hello, I'm Colin Klupik, and you're listening to Central Station, where I talk with a diverse range of people committed to making a positive impact on education. You can subscribe to these interviews wherever you get your podcasts, and to keep in touch, you can join us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Arvind Ramchanda works in the field of software product development. It's one of those fields where we perhaps don't really think about software being a product, like something we buy off the shelf, because these days it just seems to be all around us, all the time. And education is no exception. So what are the motivations that might draw someone to work in the education sector, but not actually in the classroom? For Arvind, the motivation runs quite deep, and I caught up with him in the office at the end of a busy day. The small conference room has quite the echo, but the message is loud and clear. Now, you, you told me in a previous conversation that you mm. think that working for education starts with some preconceived ideas. Yeah. And I had all sorts of ideas in my head that were not what came out of your mouth. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And you started by talking about Nelson Mandela. That's right. What did you mean by that? Yeah, so one of my favorite quotes from uh, Mr. Nelson Mandela is that um, he doesn't fail. He either wins or he learns. And for me, that kind of defines my attitudes and belief about education in general. Um, so it's not really about uh, failing in life, but as part of your educational journey uh, as a person, it's uh, it kind of, for me, hit home in the sense that, you know, it's, it's where we should be aiming. That's a tough preconception for some people to have, I suppose, because yeah. for people who failed a lot and feel terrible about that, it must be difficult for them to hear, oh, no, you haven't failed, you, you're just learning. Absolutely. <laughs> right. it's, a, it's a total change of mindset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I could, I could spoil do you have a, um, something I can take for that, that I can just sort of change my mind, some, some sort of a special course that I can <laughs> Tell me, why Nelson Mandela? And, and are you particularly fond of what he says, or was, is it just a, a philosophy that you heard from him that resonated? So, um, yeah, so I'm South African, if you can't tell by my accent. <laughs> uh, but uh, some people can't tell when they look at me because I'm also Indian. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I'm South African Indian, and, and it's a, almost a culture on its own. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, my background. Um, obviously, uh, Nelson Mandela played a huge uh, part in the history of the country. Um, and yeah, his teachings, I think, uh, reverberate uh, across the nation. And that's obviously left a, a lasting impression on you. Have you been in Australia for a long time? Not particularly. Uh, I'm just under two years in Australia. Oh, so very fresh. So yeah. Wow. So are you still experiencing uh, a little bit of uh, culture shock or, is, or have you just, do you find that it's not that different? Is it, is it a, an easy society to change into here in Australia? I think it's about as easy as it can be. I think there are cultural differences and obviously with Australia being um, significantly more advanced with regards to um, the way of life and the fact that it's obviously a first world country. Um, the challenges and uh, market opportunities are slightly different. Okay, and I suppose that there'd be a, a much wider stratification of people within the b- between the two different cultures, and I guess that would be something that would be fairly obvious, something that most people in Australia yes. wouldn't see very much. Absolutely. And your background comes from banking and finance. That's right. But you work in the education sector. Yeah. Are they l- very different? I mean, they sound different, and they you might are. think, well, what do you, yep. of course, that's yep. an obvious question, but I mean, to, to actually work in that environment, is that, is that a different experience? 
So I think uh, where we are at this point in the education space is that uh, vendors and, and service providers have looked or uh, focused largely on the um, automation of processes. We've now, in, as an industry, evolved to the to the space that we're actually trying to build out financial solutions uh, that make it easy for parents to, to make payments for a variety of school expenses. So kind of uh, building uh, on, on my previous experience as well as uh, an area that I'm actually passionate about mm. uh, and trying to bring those two worlds together. Yeah, I'm just wondering, is there actually some kind of an altruistic motivation here as in You've done your time in banking and finance, with no disrespect to our friends in banking and finance, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. But you felt that this was something where you could make uh, a, like a, a more positive change. Is that, was there something inside you that was doing that? I think there definitely was. Um, from a, a banking perspective, I think the level of products that we would typically build in a bank um, is very different to that that's available in other industries. So the level of compliance and um, the amount of risk that uh, the business would typically adopt is, is much lower, right? Um, but with that said, the finance space is such that there's risk in terms of, there's monetary risk nonetheless. Um, so in terms of building out products in, in the education market, uh, I see a, a good overlap between what I have done uh, and where the industry needs to move to. Um, so, so that was kind of what defined the journey for me. Uh, does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. But I, I'm, I'm picking up that there's, there's this little edge in your, in your motivation that yeah. says, I think that you know, we, we do this thing in banking and finance and I think that the education sector can benefit from this. Um, I'm assuming, Definitely. I mean, you could, have, you could have gone anywhere or you could have yeah. stayed, but you, but you chose not to. And so I'm getting this sense of uh, the desire to improve in the sector. And I guess people are always trying to talk about improving the education sector. I mean, it just seems to be the never-ending topic, particularly mm -hmm. around election time. Oh, yes, as, of as course. We've, as we've just recently <laughs> seen. So bearing that in mind, what is it that you would like to improve? Are there specific things or is it just working in the sector that makes a difference for you? So for me, um, I think working in the sector was obviously a feel-good space, right? Knowing that you're actually making an impact to the lives of our future leaders is really uh, something that, that woke me up in the morning uh, for a long time. Uh, but I think if I had a magic wand, and, and partly the reason that I joined uh, the education space, is there's three areas for me that, that I think we can do better in, in general. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is, you know, servicing the people who actually are building value in the industry. So in particular, uh, teachers. So how can we actually help uh, teachers make their lives easier and, and make them more effective in conveying the message that they actually have, right? Uh, then if you look at the flip side of that, uh, while a teacher might convey a message, there's obviously a student who would need to absorb it or, or, or dilute it so that, you know, it helps them find themselves and, and actually not just about digesting information and regurgitating it, but it's actually uh, learning how to learn. Mm. So it's changing the way that people think. Um, 
and it's also I mean we don't operate in uh, in isolation right we live in a world um, and it's 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 really about as you know absolutely <laughs> exactly uh, and it's really about learning how to live as well right so so applying the knowledge that you acquire uh, within an ecosystem or community uh, to make a difference and mm. and and to help build that community um, so those are the two key elements that I would uh, that, that attracted me to the industry. It was then that Arvind told me about a radical scenario that might get us thinking differently about education. It wasn't quite what I was expecting, and it goes like this. What if there was some kind of cataclysm and the only people left on Earth were school-aged children? actually leaves only uh, students or, or, or scholars uh, alive to, to build the human race going forward. Yeah, to right? fix it all up again. To fix it all up again. And to keep going. Absolutely. Wow. Now, what would you do, uh, or what would we do, rather, if we knew that this was happening in a year from now, right? Well, some people would probably make a movie out of that, I think. <laughs> I think I've seen something like that <laughs> <Yeah>. as well. <laughs> but that's not the solution we're after. That's not the solution no. that I was thinking, right? Uh, but for me, it, it really it explains the, the need for, for making the lives of teachers better. Uh, if we were faced with that situation, we would need to urgently teach all the students that are currently going to school and not just teach them what they need to know for the year, but also teach them how to teach their, uh, their, their, their successes mm. um, for their next years. And it's, it's, it's not just the knowledge that we're sharing, but it's also the skills, uh, the interpersonal skills and leadership skills. Okay, and you're growing. to that down exactly. in, in a much more compressed age range. In a much more aggressive uh, approach as well. Um, and I think our challenge as an industry in general is adopting the same rigor and trying to make it happen um, in an effective way where we, we target each year uh, with that much of uh, attention. Um, and you were talking before as well, we've had quite a considerable conversation off mic, but you were talking yeah, as well yeah. about um, teachers uh, being able to shape society. So just going back to your hypothetical situation there, then you've got this exactly. very, you've got this really compressed range of people. So not only would they have to learn how to do stuff, mm-hmm. not only would they have to learn how to then pass it down, that knowledge, but then they'd also have to learn that, that concept you were talking about, about learning to live. Mm-hmm. So there's the learning to live things. There's just three very, very large things. Yep. And yep. so what yep. you're suggesting is that we can maybe take some of those and put them onto the current agenda. And so we'll look, you know, if, what, why wait for a disaster? Absolutely. We, we can do this now. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I think that that's, uh, I mean, coming back to, to our challenge, right, that's how we should see uh, the industry. Um, uh, if I had one more wish on that magic wand, I would, I would wish that we, we really blow the, uh, the lid off the education sector. Right? In, in the <laughs> you, sense that you and everybody else who was wanted to absolutely, do that. <laughs> but but again, for me, the competition is a good thing because um, in this this environment where we're all driven by passion and purpose, um, we also inspire each other through that uh, that competitive kind mm. of nature, right? Yeah. Um, and and it's really the ones who are able to convert their energy from. Uh, good intentions to something that works and makes lives better. So more like a cooperative competition. Absolutely. You've talked before about uh, the concept of same education regardless of the price. I wanted to talk about that briefly because with everything that we see out there in the world today in terms of uh, competition and the way people strive for the future and and different levels of ambition, Mm. is is that something that we can really aim for? 
Or maybe I should ask a different question. It might be extremely difficult to achieve. Mm. And is it something that we should be aiming for? That's a, that's a question that's, that's driven by... I think if you're in a room with, with 10 different people, you'll get 10 answers. Uh, <laughs> my, my, my personal thought to it is it would be a great ideal to strive for. Um, in terms of practicality and where we are now, I don't think that the world currently works in that way or wants to work in that way, mm. right? Um, if I had, again, that magic wand that does wonderful things, uh, I, would, I would love for that to be a possibility. Um, what about something like, uh, for example, in the commercial world, we see that if someone's got a really great idea mm. and they need some funding and they need some backing, they go to something like Kickstarter and yeah, they say, yeah, yeah. all right, I've got this really terrific idea. I'm going to build, I'm going to build this thing and I need a thousand people to give me a thousand dollars and when it's built, you all get one because it'll be worth $2,000. So something like that, right? So could we potentially see a model like that coming into education where people say, well, maybe we can't achieve same same education regardless of the price, but maybe some people who are a little bit um, uh, philanthropic in their their thoughts on the matter Mm -hmm. could take on uh, a, a view like that and make that work even even in a society like like Australia I mean sure there are, there are foundations and so forth that yeah. donate to education let's yeah. not yep. let's not forget the enormous amount of good work that's being done by people like mm. that but mm. could this happen then on an individual level it, it would have to be driven by a cause uh, I'm, I'm just thinking how this would practically come together right um, in terms of donations and, and raising funds in the industry uh, I think what we've seen from experience is that uh, each region and sometimes each school operates completely different, right? Mm. You might have one school in, in Chatswood that uh, this type of model would, would apply brilliantly to because they have a, a broad network mm. uh, or reach in the market, right? Whereas another school just down the road might not be, uh, have that kind of online presence. And yeah, they might not have uh, those social connections either. Or they? have those connections either. So, so that's really where, where we see the discrepancy between you know, funding versus uh, affordability for, for a premium type of education service, right? Um, but I can tell that you want to build one. <laughs> I'd love to build one, Colin. Yeah, you I, think, I think, you know, uh, and, and, and that's kind of, you know, where I think lots of people have tried to, to, to make headway in is the, the online school yes. um, and, and providing an online experience yep. for learners. Uh, I think, you know, again, it, it goes back to the individual learner, right? And, and how they actually learn and how they want to learn. Um, remember, we get teachers in different shapes and forms, right? Yeah. It's not and just a person. Too. Exactly. Yeah. Some of our best teachers are the choices that we make mm. or, you know, the, the people that leave us. Um, and these lessons that you learn through that are also brilliant teachers, right? Now, similarly, if you're looking at an online school or you're looking at this type of solution, uh, a, a silver bullet, if you like, um, I don't know that that everyone's going to adopt it with the same kind of uh, ambition or enthusiasm. Well, it sounds like you've got plenty of it and you've got some fantastic ideas for the future. I mean, it's been so great to talk to you this afternoon. Thank you, Colin. Thank you so much for joining us. And thanks for having me. You've been listening to an episode of Central Station. 
For more information about our other guests and episodes, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, or visit the website, central.com.au slash podcast. I'm Colin Klupik. Until next time, bye for now.